Thanks for listening to Open the Word. Today, we're throwing it back and dusting off an episode from the archives. We've had some great conversations over a decade of radio ministry that deserve to be heard again. So you might hear some new voices and old references, but we hope you still enjoy these episodes. You found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. I'm Missy, and I am with Beth and Gwen. And ladies, this week in Second Timothy has been oh so wow. good. Well, we've almost done a book study, you know? <laughs> just have. about. Just, just about. Almost. Almost. And we're going to uh, continue today with Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. Yeah. Um, I'll kick us off. How's that? Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. I solemnly charge you. And, and keep in mind, listeners, if you haven't been with us, keep in mind that this is Paul's very last letter, most likely, to Timothy. Mm-hmm. He is at the end of his life, and we know that by some of the things he's going to share in the next couple of verses. Mm-hmm. But this is his last and most important things he wants to pass on to what he considers a spiritual son to him. He also considered Titus one too. But Timothy, he definitely considers him a son. Um, so chapter four, verse one, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but them, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, enduring hardship to the, do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And I'm going to stop right there um, because I want to focus on one through five. And then we'll get to what Paul says about where he's at in life. Um, so what did you guys see in those first couple of verses? Wow. I mean, I, I, I really love that he is again... Um, exhorting Timothy to stick with it, to persevere. I mean, I think he recognizes that really, and this is true for all of us, this is not an easy journey for any of us. You yeah. know, you, you mentioned yesterday, Gwen, about uh, the lie that we tell new believers. Oh, your life will be a piece of cake, or mm-hmm. you'll have this blessing or that blessing or this blessing if you choose follow Jesus and it'll be wonderful. I mean, it, it is wonderful. It, it's <laughs> awesome. Please do choose Jesus. But However, un- your mind, life may fall apart <laughs> and you will face persecution. Right. There's I two mean, caveats in, to this. <laughs> endure hardship as a good soldier of right. Jesus Christ. That's what he told Timothy in, an, in earlier verses. So he knows trouble is coming for Timothy. And I yeah. love that he is just saying, you know, you've got to have patience. You've, you you want to encourage people. You want to teach them. You you want to continue with sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Stay on course, buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't lose sight of what's true and what you've been taught. Um, you know, don't go off on rabbit trails. Don't be led astray by other people. And as you teach, be gentle and understanding when you are rebuking and correcting and steering other people back to to where they need to be. Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of mention here, like Timothy is young and he has been given the responsibility for the church at Ephesus that has just grown like crazy. Um, You know, you remember back in Acts that Paul walked through with his handkerchief and it would heal people. Mm. You know, they burned one day the magic scrolls for the the church and it was like millions of dollars worth of, Mm -hmm. of false religion stuff. 
stuff, mm-hmm. you know, idols and, and, and the paraphernalia that went along with the other deities. So, you know, it, it, the impact that that church had on this culture in Ephesus, it upset the tradesmen in the town because part of the well-being of Ephesus, part of their financial uh, makeup mm-hmm. was these idols and coming mm-hmm. into town to worship at the temples. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, to have that many people turn to Christ that it it hit the pockets mm-hmm. of the right. people that were making all of these, this paraphernalia to worship at the temples. Um, so much so that they wanted to stone Paul at one point, drug riot. him into mm-hmm. the amphitheater, and, and literally, like, but they were angry. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of persecution from townspeople and businessmen in the area. This is the church that as a young man, Timothy is taking over and Paul's leaving him. And so he will be left alone to shepherd Mm -hmm. this church. Mm -hmm. And we know actually that he shepherds this church and Mary ends up there with him. Um, And then John eventually takes over um, this church, I think later too. Um, And so you, you know, you have John the disciple and, you know, Timothy at this church and Timothy's actually, um, I think if I remember right, he's actually killed um, at this church, and John takes it over. And Mary, mother of Jesus, comes to live with John here, um, like 60s, 80 or something. So, or BC, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you can you can kind of see that he's being asked to take over a very big, very tumultuous mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had people that have risen up inside that are spouting lies that have really shaken the faith of some people. You know, you have all of this stuff that's happening and, and he's literally being exhorted to fulfill the work of an evangelist, preach the word, be ready in season and out, reprove, rebuke, exhort. And he would have been doing this with people older than himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, in, and you know, in the first chapter, he's told to be strong. Um, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Verse seven of chapter one. Yeah, and in First Timothy chapter four, Paul says to him, "Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Right. Yeah. You right. set the example. Um, don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for other believers in speech yeah. and." You know, so he's, this is a huge mantle that's been placed on Timothy's shoulders. Yeah. Um, Verse 13 of chapter 1, retain the standard of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure that's been entrusted to you. Um, You know, so you have just this picture of Paul just... uh, I almost want to say commissioning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got that element of, I can't come alongside you anymore. I'm launching you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this whole book has had that theme of just launching. And so what you get in like verse two um, of chapter four is this last like pithy, here's the basics. Like we're going to go back to the basics, Mm -hmm. preach the word, be ready, um, reprove, rebuke, exhort with patience and instruction. You know, because here's what's coming. Yep. Here's what's here's coming. Here's what's coming. And, and yeah. you, you can't imagine that that's what's coming. And yet, he wrote this 2,000 years ago, yeah. and that's what was coming then, and that's where we're at yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of a post I saw a number of years ago. Um, I don't know if it was on a John Piper site, or I think there, John Piper 
Beth Moore, several of them commented on how true this is. It says, you will watch a generation of Christians, of Christians, set the Bible aside in an attempt to become more like Jesus. And stunningly, it will sound completely plausible. This will be perhaps the cleverest of all the devil's schemes in your generation. Sacrifice truth for love's sake. And you will rise or fall based upon whether you will sacrifice one for the other. Will you have the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love? That's what the 2 Peter 4 uh, verse 3 is talking about. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. And that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You gotta be in the Word of God, folks. I don't know where yeah. your church is at. Whether the the Scripture is on the screen or not doesn't matter. Have the Word there with you. Yeah. Mark those verses in your Bible. Go home. Go back to those verses. Read it all in context. But we, as a people of God, have been given His Word, the Word of God, the Person of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit to help us do life. And when we leave one sitting on the shelf and just want to listen. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're, we're leaving out God's God's love letter, God's spoken word to his kids. Yeah. That that grieves me. Yeah. All, all week long, we've been talking about being in the word. And so often I've just wanted to cry because I see that as so foundational to the problems that yeah. we're having. As I mentor young women and they don't know who they are in Christ, it's because the word was spoken. I mean, a lot of these women went to church, but they never got in the word and dug in and learned it for yeah. themselves. They cannot live fully convinced lives because they don't know the promises of God. They can't live steadfast, immovable. Immu- breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It just breaks my heart. So, yeah, there's a reason why I continue to say, get in the Word of God. Yeah. I tell my small groups, I don't want you to leave here and say, Beth says, never. Yeah. I want you to say, the Word of God says. Mm-hmm. And this is or why I, I know. read it here. I, I read it. it here. I know yeah. it here. Memorize it. Hide it in your heart. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah you've hit a trigger for me no but seriously <laughs> like beth it's a trigger because it's it's real and it's important i i can't even explain the difference in a counseling setting that it makes when they're in god's word because you know the ones that aren't they expect their one hour with me a week to be the change in their life I don't want credit for that. (laughs) I would rather they are in God's word every day and God's speaking. They come in with me and he's been speaking all week. We do our hour and it gels with what he's already said in their life. And they walk out and they start changing. Hmm. I would much rather be a minimal voice in their world rather than, you know, because they can't be steadfast and movable in what I do. I am human. I'm fallible. I will fail. I will fall short. You know, I don't want my kids to grow up quoting me. I want them to know that God's word, I want them to hold fast to God's word in face of boyfriends that they may have to let go, in face of children that may choose to walk away from truth. I want them to hold fast to God's word to such an extent that no matter what happens in their life, what's been stripped, what's been shaken, no matter what, they will never let go of God's word. That is my prayer for my kids. That's my prayer for myself. That if I 
ever have to look a situation in the face where I'm asked to compromise on God's truth in the Word of God to love and hold on to somebody that I will choose God's Word first. Yeah, ever. You know, one of the things I have, I've, I've talked to my kids about, and some people might really have a problem with this, but I tell my kids all the time, I have to love God more than I love you. Mm-hmm. because I'm going to run out of love for you. Mm-hmm. And if I don't love God more, I don't have a source to go to for when you and I are having problems mm-hmm. and we're struggling. Yeah. You know, and so I tell my kids, I need you to love the Lord more than you love me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Yeah. You know, as we're talking, I'm thinking back to a lesson that um, one of my Bible studies and I recently learned. And, and ladies, I'm going to take us to Exodus. I know we've been okay. looking at Second Timothy, and it's been fabulous. But I want to go back to Exodus chapter 2 and talk a little about Moses. Okay? So so Moses, he was born during troubling times, right? His mom put him in um, a reed basket on the Nile River so she wouldn't have to kill him. The princess found him and, and adopted him as her own son. So Moses grows up as a prince, right? He is there. He is living... Large Trained as <laughs> oh. in the universities of Egypt, he yeah. is a prince. Yeah. Yeah. He is a prince, absolutely. And, and and we we can see that he's a prince with a fire in his belly because one day he's walking out amidst his people. So he mm-hmm. knew, he knew, right? Um, and he sees an Egyptian that would be the the culture that he is a prince in, um, mistreating a Hebrew. And so, what does he become? In addition to his princehood at that point. A murderer, murderer actually. Murderer. Mm-hmm. Right. And a fleer. And a fleer, right. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right a word. Fugitive. A fugitive. On the fugitive. Run. Right. On the run, yeah. There and you go. so it's at that point, and we'll we'll continue to journey through Exodus two, that he runs because he's afraid Pharaoh, which would be his mother's mm-hmm. father, right? Uh-huh. Um it is is going to do something to him, and so he runs. And he lands in the land of Midian, where uh, he lands by a well. I love that. Mm -hmm. He's sitting by a well. Um, Wells, that's another thing as you read through the Bible. Look at all the different times that it talks about wells and the water source, Old Testament, New Testament. But Moses lands by this well, and he, he, he... is a helper. Mm-hmm. We can add that to the descriptions of Moses. He helps the daughters of. Um, but he the... ends up by a priest. <laughs> yeah, it isn't isn't that just mm-hmm. pretty crazy? Uh, but till all is said and done, this prince becomes a shepherd, right? Uh, from what I know about the life of a shepherd, it's pretty far from the life of a prince. True. Right. So it is while he is a shepherd that he he is out. Now I'm just going to start there in verse 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flocks to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horah, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And then comes verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. I'm going to stop right there. This jumped out at me like it never jumped out at me before. 
Moses saw the bush, and he had a choice to make. He could have run away in fear. He could have avoided and ignored it, and instead... He chose to turn and approach it. Mm. He chose to turn and approach the fire. And it says, when God, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Could it be that we're running from the very fires that God wants to use in our lives to be a difference maker in the culture that we are planted in today? I think, you know, as I read that post uh, that I, I, I read earlier about how we turn away mm-hmm. from the Word of God in order to... Well, it's it's Second Timothy. Um, Time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teacher to suit their own passion, teachers to suit their own passions. Okay, their own passions. Those are the fires burning within them. What if we would actually turn towards this fire and allow God to use us in the midst of this fire by the truth of his word to lead the people, the sheep of this culture, to the source of truth? To the source of living water, instead yeah. of looking for people to tickle our ears and tell us what we want to hear and, 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 and walk away from the truth. God saw that Moses turned toward this burning bush, and God used his yeah. willingness to seek out what's happening here in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. What would the story of Moses be if he had avoided and ignored mm-hmm. If he had just continued to do what the culture was telling him to do that he was planted in right there, if he would have continued to follow that flock of sheep that he was a shepherd of, instead of allowing God to say, hey, I got a flock of sheep that need a shepherd, and you're the man I'm calling to for this job. When you you mentioned, um, I think maybe we weren't recording when, when, when you said this, but you said, isn't it interesting that for however many years that God allowed him there in, in Midian. Yeah. He, he had him be a shepherd. Uh, all we like sheep. Well, he was actually right there mm-hmm. with the sheep. Well, and in a practical sense, he was learning how to survive in the wilderness and how to keep living things right. alive in the wilderness. <laughs> right. You know, and, and you know, I, he would have learned all the dangers of it. He would have learned how to find water. He would have learned, you know, the the just, I mean, he would have learned tons of things. Mm-hmm. How to cr- find a safe spot, wild animals, all of that. And Beth, I'm reflecting on what you had just said about the fires in our lives and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, in this example here, Moses is told exactly what he's going to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's told the gist of the plan, not exactly how it's going to come about, but he's literally told he, that he needs to go back and he's going to be the deliverer of his people. Mm-hmm. I mean, God lays at his feet the plan. I, you know, there are times in my life where I wanted God's plan, so I knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. And there's times when he's kind of told me something's coming, <laughs> but I never quite know what exactly that's going to look mm-hmm. like. Um, but this is one of those moments where Moses could have gone, yeah, you know, no, no thanks. not going back. You're right. It you needs know? to be done, but it's not me. Uh, right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the last person that should go back and do that. <laughs> and he did have a little bit of that conversation with God. Yeah. I mean, God, God calls us to be a difference maker, and but he still 
is in relationship with us where we can say, uh, Lord, but what if? But what if? And you know what? I'm not even a very good speaker. Why would you choose me? He listens to our fears. Um, but that's because Moses was willing to turn towards the bush and talk to God about his fears, right? Instead of allowing his fears to make him run the opposite yeah. direction. And we've seen biblical examples that have run mm-hmm. the opposite direction. Yes, like, have. you know, Nineveh Jonah. and Tarshish. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly, Jonah. Right. You know, and we've seen God intervene because his plan ultimately is where he will end up walking. Right. You know, when, with God, there are some big things that he'll take you he'll take you to and through (laughs) whether you want to go or not um but you know i look at this and this is a willing a man willing to go just like abraham was willing Mm -hmm. you know god speaks to abraham and and says pick up pack up go and he goes yes sir Mm -hmm. um you know and he goes to a land he'd never seen Mm -hmm. so you know i i look at some of these examples and well, those fires, I believe, are, are growth opportunities in our lives when yeah. we do it God's way and we don't conform to the pattern of the world. Um, I, I am in, in a place in my life, and I tell my kids, you know, the more the world says something's okay, I really say, well, i got to dig in and see what the Word says because the world has said a lot of things are okay that simply aren't. Yeah. Well, and let's remember, the world is at enmity right. with God. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that's the first place you have to start, start, is that the world's on one side and God's mm-hmm. on the other. So very few things come from the world that are God's way. And we well, should never expect the world to hold the Bible as a standard. Exactly. This is for those of us who claim Christ as Lord and Savior. And what comes to mind to me is what fellowship has, has mm. light with dark darkness. Mm. They don't mix. You know, with the absence of light is darkness. There's a lot of calls that as believers I think we need to be making, and I'm challenging myself here, mm-hmm. that I haven't made, you know, that need to set me apart. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think back to the passage that we just read about, like um, that there was that one part where it says, set yourself apart as a vessel, mm-hmm. you know, and I think sometimes those calls are what sets us apart and makes the world go, what? And scratch their head. But when they notice us living differently, consistent with truth, that's when they start going, huh. Mm. But when they see the hypocrite who doesn't follow through and make the weird choices too, then they just throw it all out. They turn their ears off to what we might have to say. And so I think there's some calls that we need to make on things. That, that need to come even in the face of getting people laughing at us or, you know, poking fun or even make, getting angry mm-hmm. with us that, that do the work of sanctifying and setting us apart. But not just the doing of it. It's the reality of being set apart so that what right. we do is not just hypocritical, as you said. Correct. Like we have to follow that through with authenticity in the way we live. Well, and it needs to come out of the fact that we're light, Yes. It needs to come out of the fact of who we are. We don't want fellowship with that because that's associated with Mm -hmm. other things. And we need to look Mm -hmm. different and be different. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? No, it makes so much sense. And let's remember that does not discount love in any way, shape, or form. No. It just, we can love out of that place of where we're at and and authentic faith and living set apart. Mm -hmm. But love without truth isn't love. No, it's not. It's not. Truth without love is not truth. No. 
and you need both. You have to have both, you know, and this generation wants us to love and compromise and let them have their truth, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is going to be the hard, hardest stand. I think we make in the next couple of years is to look at people and say, I'm going to love you, Mm -hmm. but I can't agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I can't join you in saying this is okay, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I love you. And if you need to leave, okay but I'm here and I'll catch you when you get back, Mm -hmm. you know, and to just be standing with open arms, but standing firm, not moving on the truth. Mm -hmm. I tell you, we are at the end of our day and I am so thankful that here at the end of this week, we'd landed in second Timothy and we, we stayed put there. I mean, we, we did, we looked into the whole word of God to see other examples of people who stood for truth in hard times. That's what we're called to. But ultimately, it comes back to this. It has to start here, in me. And that's why I always bring it back to Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous, wicked way in me. And lead me in your way everlasting. He's given us a place to belong. Our part is to shine bright in a fallen world, living out truth with the love that he has poured into us. You found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or... Send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from modern farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.